Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Let me stay with news of the weather because significant snow and ice is expected over the weekend and into next week. It is a weather front coming from Siberia and it's going to descend over Ireland. It'll settle in on Saturday and Met Aaron are saying that it will be with us until at least Wednesday of next week. The winds that will come with it will come from the east northeast, and when a north North wind blows we shall have snow and it looks like that's exactly what's going to happen is that this wind coming in will pick up moisture in the Irish Sea and Met Aaron are saying that that will then fall as snow. Now at the moment they're saying that the eastern seaboard so that runs right from Antrim right the way down to Waterford is likely to see significant accumulations of snow and daytime uh, temperatures are going to be quite uh, low. The weather phenomenon that they're looking at is a sudden stratospheric warming event that occurred in the Arctic recently. Now the very same phenomena was the phenomena that brought us the beast from the east and that would you believe was in February of 2018. It was three years ago and uh, we will all remember the beast from the east and of course the beast from the east had been the heaviest snowfall in this country since 1982. Met Aaron are saying and keeping a close eye on what's going to happen across the weekend and they're they're saying at this stage we'll have very cold weather certainly on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. The winds will feed in showers over the eastern half of the country and it's what those showers will bring. They will be of sleet and uh, snow. They are cautioning though it's too early to pin down at this stage as to how much snow is expected to fall. But definitely the eastern side of the country will we get it here? too early to uh, say. So just to give you a warning on that. Now, John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and the vaccine rollout just got a little bit more complicated with the news yesterday that we here in Ireland were now joining France, Germany and Italy in deciding not to make the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine the main COVID-19 jab to be given to the over 70s. Now, by the way, and it is important to mention that the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine is a very safe and is a very effective vaccine. The problem at this stage is that there isn't enough evidence on how it works in the over 55s, although work is ongoing and the reports and the safety 
um, announcements about the over the older age group is expected to come out late next month. But in the meantime, we are where we are, and the government made the decision. Well, the advisors to the government made the decision not to give it to over seventies, and we know because we've been talking about it for weeks that the original plan was that all of our lovely, friendly, helpful GPs they would be the ones giving their patients this Oxford vaccine because it's an easy to handle vaccine. It's been described as a game changer and it's a vaccine that could be administered at the GP uh, surgery. But there is now a greater likelihood that the over 70s will be vaccinated in clinics and at these clinics it will be the the Pfizer-BioNTech and the Moderna vaccines that will be used. But the problem there is both of those vaccines are in much shorter supply than what the AstraZeneca vaccine is going to be. The Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan, has also asked that those people over the age of 65 who are living in long-term care, that they should also be given the Pfizer and the Moderna one and not to be given the Oxford uh, vaccine. So... We're kind of back to the drawing board now as to what we will do with the rollout of the vaccine. Now, at the moment, it, under consideration by the government is that people over the age of uh, 70 will get their jabs in vaccination hubs. I mean, they're already talking about looking at things like parish halls or community centres uh, and they'll have a centralised one and people over the age of 70 then will be invited then to go there to get their uh, vaccine. Uh, but now the most the the real worry is that the most vulnerable uh, and the most vulnerable to sickness there's uncertainty as to how soon they're going to get their vaccine and I think that's probably where the real worry within the HSE and the Department of Health is is this morning because I imagine they're sitting around deciding how are we going to do this and how are we going to get as many vaccines as we can to those that who are most vulnerable and these are the ones that are living at home, the ones that are out in the community. The teacher yesterday, Micheál Martin speaking at his parliamentary uh, party, uh, he said that vaccine uh, centres could be used to administer both Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to the older people but GPs are rowing in straight away and saying hold on a tick don't rule us out yet we could carry out these vaccinations at our centres. Now we do know that there was this recently agreed contract with the GPs and with the pharmacies some newspapers are saying today that that deal to deliver the vaccines may now have to be revisited so we'll keep a close eye on that even though I don't know why it's going to have to be revisited because GPs and pharmacies will still be administering vaccines even if it is only the AstraZeneca one. Now on the AstraZeneca 35,000 doses of AstraZeneca are due to arrive in this country next week but then there's a huge order due by the end of March 400,000 of those vaccines are expected into this country and GPs were expected that as soon as those vaccines arrive next week they were expected to start and they were going to start with their over 85 year old patients first. Now the Irish Medical Organisation have come out and they say vaccination of the over 85s they say it will still go ahead next week but they feel that the original plan will just simply have to be reworked. Uh, Dr Dennis McCauley of the Irish Medical Organisation said issues such as the minimum amount of supply of Pfizer and Moderna to each practice, they, they need to clarify that and also clarify how the jabs will be handled. And this is because we know both of those particular vaccines need to be maintained at very low temperatures. But he says in some incidents what he's suggesting could happen is that a number of GPs could get together and administer them to their patients so that you would have in in a town for example you'd have a number of G practices come together and they would open up their own little sort of vaccination clinic almost 
and of patients from all of the different practices come together. He says that that is something that, that could be looked at and he feels there isn't any need to, spe- to set up very special or very large vaccination centres. He reckons, you know, speak to the local GPs. They're the people on the ground and they're also the ones that know how many over 85s they have in a particular uh, area. But the Taoiseach did say that vaccinations for over 70s will still begin on the 15th of February. So it's good to know that's coming from the top down. It will start on the 15th. It just won't be with the AstraZeneca vaccine. And therein lies uh, the problem that how many of the over 70s will actually be able to get how soon will they be able to get it uh, because m- many of them are you know just chomping at the bit people want to go out want to get their vaccines to try to get their life back to some kind of normality and then as I mentioned we have all these AstraZeneca vaccines coming into this country okay a smaller amount are arriving next week but then the bigger amount arriving towards the end of March the decision now has got to be what do you do with the Oxford AstraZeneca uh, vaccine? Um, it, it, some papers today are reporting that it's likely that some non-frontline healthcare workers who would be next in line after the over 70s they will be the ones that will be offered the jab and they will now get it sooner than uh, expected. However, let's not forget there are thousands upon thousands of frontline healthcare workers who are still without their first dose of the Pfizer of Moderna vaccine and obviously they will be first in the queue. And I heard this morning there is talk about whatever comes in from Pfizer and from Moderna that what they would probably the obvious thing to now do is is to give that to the over 70s and in particular to those over the age of 85 and the frontline workers who were due to get to get that particular vaccine let them get the Oxford uh, vaccine instead because there's so much good news coming out about the Oxford AstraZeneca it's a pity really that there just isn't enough information on the efficacy for the over 55s and as I say it is due out at the end of March it just hasn't come uh, soon enough but uh, yesterday there was a study that was published in the Lancet that's the well-known medical journal and a study showed that one dose of the AstraZeneca now it is a two-dose vaccine but one just the first dose could prevent 67% of people who are vaccinated from passing on the virus. Currently it is only known that COVID-19 vaccines benefit the person who gets vaccinated by reducing their chances obviously of getting sick or being hospitalised or God forbid uh, dying. But the indication that it could reduce the chance of a person infecting another is hugely significant because it's the first of the vaccines to have had that kind of analysis. So there certainly is to, you know, really good solid news coming out about the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and it's all really good except when it comes to older people and it's just down to the efficacy and waiting for the information to come out but because it's been used I mean widely used uh, in England it's been widely used in America as well. I don't know in Israel it's more the Pfizer uh, vaccine that they are using but there's so many studies now and they're not even studies anymore because they're not trials, they're being used out in the community, being used uh, these vaccines are being given to people uh, so they're really able to study them and study how effective they are and it's all really really positive. We just have to wait until the end of March for the for the information to come out about its efficacy in the older age group. And R from Mill Street by text saying Patricia on vaccines just a question please. How can 
the UK vaccine, vaccinate 10 million people to date. Uh, they have the army, the NHS doing it at every available place like community centres, etc. Why can't this happen here in this country, I wonder, before more, more people get struck down with what is a silent killer? Thank you, New. That's our in uh, Mill Street. The problem is we don't have enough vaccines in this country. We know that the United Kingdom, who now because of Brexit have nothing to do with the EU, they got their orders in earlier for the vaccines. So they were there. They, they they flooded, they literally almost flooded their country with uh, vaccines. And as soon as their vaccines are coming in, they're putting it into people's arms. Now, in, in defence of the HSE and the Department of Health, we're doing the same here. But we, our hands are really tied because we are tied in with the EU and we only receive a percentage of vaccines every week. And it's based on our population base because the EU bulk bought vaccines for the whole of the EU and then they said the fairest way is divided out per the number of people in each country and that's why we're getting such a small amount even though month on month that number will get bigger and bigger and bigger and obviously the more people we vaccinate the less vaccines we need so we will get to a stage in this country where we will have vaccines in that we, we that we won't need because everyone who wants a vaccine will be vaccinated. But when is that going to happen? We were told we would all be vaccinated by September by Stephen Donnelly but he wrote back on that I think the Taoiseach said that we're now looking at more likely towards the end of the year. Is there any guarantee that we'll all be vaccinated by the end of the year? Nobody really knows but there's, there's, there's a high probability we will certainly all be vaccinated, those that want a vaccine by the end of the year. But that's the reason in the United Kingdom got a lot more vaccines in because they ordered them themselves and also the UK opted to give the first dose to uh, everyone. They've given a very, they've over 10 million people vaccinated at this stage but under half a million has had their second dose They've opted for every vaccine that comes in to get it into as many people as possible. And actually looking at the Lancet yesterday and that medical journal, uh, it looks like it was a chance that they took because some people said it was nuts what they were doing, that they should give the two doses as was recommended. But they went with the chance that the one vaccine, get the first vaccine in and at least it would start to build up immunity in people while they waited for the second one to arrive. And it does look like that that was the right uh, decision because it's looking like people if you have a 12 week gap between the first and the second dose it looks like certainly for the AstraZeneca that the uh, efficiency of the vaccine actually uh, rises I think it goes well up into the 80s so the chance they took certainly has paid off in the UK but um, uh, to that person in Mill Street that's the reason they have a lot more vaccines it's not that the HSC or the Department of Health are sitting on vaccines in cold storage here as soon as we have them in they are getting them out as quick as possible we're always looking for good suggestions of nice things to watch on TV. Somebody has suggested to anybody that has Channel 5 and if you have your Sky box, uh, John Paul tells me you can get it under the extra channels if you haven't managed to find it yet. Uh, But tonight at 8 o'clock, Adrian Dunbar's Coastal Ireland series begins and it features the the Mizzen Head Bridge and other sites in Cork and across Ireland. And it starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 5 if you like that kind of thing. And it's always lovely to look at. I think it's always lovely to look at programmes that show off this beautiful country in which we live. It's only when you look at those 
those those kind of TV shows that you kind of stop and think we really do live in an absolutely beautiful country. And yesterday I was mentioning how beautiful the country is when we were talking about, do you remember the Garda video that had a bit of divided opinion yesterday? In the main, people thought the Garda Dance Challenge was uh, fantastic. But one of the points that I made when I watched the little video clip was it showed off the country. There were some gorgeous scenes from different parts of Ireland and the fact that it has gone global. And I was looking online last night from countries all over the world uh, people had watched the video and you know this country will open up again for uh, tourism and maybe somebody will watch that video and think yeah put that country on my bucket list that's a country that I want to visit and actually staying on that Garda video that we spoke about yesterday gorgeous email in today from Gemma this is the kind of positivity that we need and that we need to share says hi Patricia don't mind the fella that was disagreeing with you yesterday about the Garda dance uh, video the dance video video made me smile which I have to say says Gemma is rare when you live alone but do you know something from that video I found exactly what I was looking for i.e. the particular song Jerusalem it made me want to get up and get back on my treadmill also listen to your programme this week the lady that was Eileen from Bear Island who said we can choose to be happy I thought that was a great piece of advice put on some makeup and I styled my hair to go shopping yesterday. Do you know that's something I haven't bothered doing uh, since lockdown until now. Do you know what? It made me feel so much better about myself. I even treated myself and bought new underwear. That was the suggestion from our Eileen out on Bear Island. Try it ladies. It really does work. I'm going to tidy the neglected garden today and do you know something says Gemma? I got up today making the choice to be happy and guess what? I went back on the treadmill. Good on you Gemma, good on you that's the type of positivity and it can be hard and I accept that there's days when you just don't want to do anything but you just got to get up and just dust yourself down and, you, and that's exactly what Eileen was saying, you know, look in the mirror could you do with a bit of lippy, bit of makeup, do the hair and you do you instantly when you see your reflection back, you do look when you're when you're looking good, you feel better and it'll give you that little pep in your step. Well done, uh, Gemma, and keep it up. 1850 at uh, 333103 on the border. Imelda from Uh there's so much talk about borders and knocking down these borders and people are saying we can't with Northern Ireland. Melda is scratching her head. She said, why can't we have members of Angarda Siakona on every route and every road that passes between Southern Ireland and Northern Ireland? And Melda said, there's precedence there. We did it before. We did it for the foot and mouth back in 2001. Um, if we could keep... We managed to keep foot and mouth out by patrolling our borders. Why can't we do it now? We're living in much more peaceful times now. Surely it can be done. And I saw a report this morning that was showing there's a slight decrease in the amount of travel over and back across the, the border, but there's still a huge amount of travel every day. Now, I know there are people that have to travel over and across the border for work reasons and all of that, but there's, there's obviously a number of people that are doing it for leisure reasons or for shopping, etc. 1850 John Paul text your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie now yesterday it was reported that the HSC are considering using Cork City Hall and Porky Cueve as sites for mass vaccination centres while everyone is waiting for the vaccines to arrive a number of listeners 
listeners asked why county locations were not also being being considered as possible vaccination centres. Cork East Labour uh, Dáil Deputy Sean Sherlock uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Sean, do you know if the HSC, um, are they looking at possible sites in North or East Cork or West Cork? They are. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to report that the, the story has moved on slightly now in the last 48 hours or so. Um, I had caused a bit of a stink with the HSE about what I had been hearing in respect of there only being two centres being designated for the county of Cork and those would be located in in the city. Uh, and while Absolutely. I welcome the fact that Parky Creeve would be a designated centre and that's entirely appropriate and the GA would be you know, more than equal to the task in, in setting that up uh, or assisting in the setting of, of that up as a centre. However, I was absolutely flabbergasted about the fact that you know, there would only be two centres in the city that would have untold consequences for people living in the furthest reaches of the county. And, you know, I made the case to the uh, to the HSC that, you know, we need to be able to deliver the vaccines to people in locations that are familiar to them and are easy, easily accessible. Now, to be fair to the HSC, I do know that there were some discussions with some, uh, you know, with, with, with individual organisations in respect of centres outside of the city. But this pendulum seemed at one stage to have been swinging towards the two centres in, in the city. But I can confirm now that they are in uh, active discussions with, uh, you know, organisations like the GEA. I, I know that they're in active discussions in respect of the site in Carragoon, in Mallow, for instance. Uh, but that hasn't been signed off on. And, you know, there's a way to go there. Now, if that's the case for Mallow, then... You know, obviously, I continue to make the case for centres like, you know, where you where you look at the regions, you look at the regional breakdown within the county. So if if it can work in the Carragoon and Mallow, could it work in the GA complex in Clannacilty, for instance? Could it work in, you know, Ballancolig? You know, would you need to set up specific centres on the, the island of Cove? You know, Middleton, Yall, Carrigtool. Yeah, I so, think what people are saying to us is is make it, particularly for the over 70s, make it as easy as possible. Don't complicate it. Don't expect people to, you know, a number of people over the age of 70 were saying, you know, don't like driving into the city, for example. Where am I going to park? Uh, you know, straight away people were starting to panic. You, we need to make it as easy and as less complicated as possible for people. You and that's precisely the point, and this is why we made the case. This is why we caused the stink about the, when we heard that there was only going to be two in the city. That's precisely the reason why we got back to the HSC and started making noise about the fact that, no way, that's not going to work for Cork. Precisely for those reasons. It has, if you're living in Balladahab, like, think of places that are, you know, on the furthest reaches from the city. Balladahab, you know, even if you go down to, you know, to, to the Yalls, of this world, you know, if you go to the, you know, the McCrooms, back to the, the Ratcools, you know, name any place. You need to, for all of those people living in those places that I've identified, they need to be able to come to a town like a, a Fermoy, a Mitchelstown, a Mallow, a Cove, a Middleton, a Yall. You, you know, they, they need to be able to go to centres where they are familiar with the centres themselves and driving and access to those centres is as seamless as possible. If, as I understand it, you know, with the rollout of the vaccine, there are, you know, pre-jab protocols and post-jab protocols, you know, around 
time spent in a centre. You can't expect somebody to devote a whole day and you can't create a disincentive for somebody to come to a centre. And, you know, this is, you know, we're all at risk of this disease. So you can't place impediments in front of the citizens such that they're saying, I don't feel confident about driving or, or I don't have public transport access to the city. That's why you need to displace the centres throughout the county so as to make it accessible. But I, I have to say, to be fair to the HSE, they are looking at that now. And, and, and to be fair to the Taoiseach, he did state to his own parliamentary party last night, uh, you know, that the, you know, the over 70s, that they, they could receive the, 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 the jabs in, in hubs like parish halls, community centres, GA clubs, you know, appropriate centres that would be able to meet the throughput. Uh, there was a very, I mean, I think it worked very well in Middleton in October where you had a drive-through centre for the flu jab. And yeah, that, where that Dr. Is, Dr. Mike has joined us Dr. lots of times. It was, it was, Dr. and Dr. it was, Thompson, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. But I mean, everything was, was looking like your local GP would give you your vaccine, particularly to the, starting with the over 85s uh, next week. But then kind of a spanner in the works when the Oxford vaccine, we're now being told, we're not to give it to the older age group. Does that mean that doctors, GPs, because of having to keep Pfizer and the Moderna at, what is it, minus 70 degrees, does that mean GPs are not going to be involved in from their surgery point of view? Well, there seems to be, and I suppose I'm, I'm reading the same stories that you are in respect of, uh, you know, the the what I perceive to be a slight tension emerging as between GPs and the concept of it being rolled out in the community. Um, I, I think everybody would accept that GPs have done a, a stellar job in terms of the flu vaccine. And, you know, so it would follow then logically that GPs would be well placed to vaccinate the same cohort of people within their surgeries. But I think it's, I think the answer lies as a mix between the two, between GPs, possibly GPs coming together and having the centres, the Mm. community-based centres. Because when it gets down to people of, I'm in my 40s, so when it gets down to people in my age cohort or or lower, then, you know, if if I can drive to a centre, go through a protocol in the centre and out the other side, you know, and then I think that's that's the way to do it because I'm I have that ability to do it. So I, I think I think the answer lies somewhere in a mix, a policy mix as between GPs rolling it out and uh you know, a community-based and vax, approach. Yeah, because lots, of, I pe- think that's what lots of people see. are saying, you know, there's GAA clubs and there's community centres in every parish that if, you know, where there's a will, there's a way if you want to set, to, to set up. Now, but I mean, I, I realistically, I don't think that every single town and village is going to be able to have a vaccination centre. I, I don't think that's a possibility. I, I, I think that that could be fraught with difficulties. But I think if, if people can receive comfort from knowing that they can go to the town that they do all of their the next their nearest town that, their nearest, nearest town, town absolutely do you, do we take it that Stephen Donnelly's plan to have everybody vaccinated by September is now dead in the water that's not going to happen I, I think the news on the Astra, uh, AstraZeneca uh, you know is is a setback I'm trying to look at all of these things rationally and dispassionately, if you will, and try not to be too political about it. But I think that statement now, I think that's an unrealistic expectation to answer your question. Because my understanding is that 
there's about 35,000 doses of AstraZeneca due next week if the press reports are anything to go by and something like 400,000 by the end of March. So we don't have a real-time, up-to-the-minute assessment of what vaccines will be coming and when. We don't have the real-time picture. So I I think it's reasonable to assume that the the programme will not be completed by September. But you would hope that it will be and that any... Uh, you know, any tripwires that, that, that occur between now and then that they could be sorted as quickly as possible. And in fairness, as soon as the vaccines are coming onto our shores, they're being put into people's arms. They are very quickly getting the vaccines out to people. They, they are. I, I still have uh, an issue in respect of certain cohorts who still as yet have not received the vaccine. And that is, you know, would be frontline workers. Not every frontline worker has received the vaccine. And I'm particularly concerned about carers or healthcare assistants or home helps, uh, as we call them colloquially, uh, you know, who still in certain instances haven't received vaccines who are going into maybe six or seven homes. So I think people like me will continue to do battle behind the scenes for for that cohort of people in terms of prioritisation. And the other thing, which is a positive note from a Cork perspective as well, is that we're lucky in Cork that we have the Moor Park facility in Formoy. And the significance of that is that they have storage facilities uh, that can store oh. vaccines at minus 80. Brilliant. And the reason I know that is because I, I had contact from Professor Jerry Boyle, uh, the Director General of, of uh, uh, Chagask uh, in, in the last 24 hours uh, on foot of public utterances that I had made about it. And I think I, I think we have the infrastructure in Cork. That's the point. That's good. And we, that's, we're that's able to news. store it at the appropriate that, the, the, And then the, the only other downside to Cork when we're talking about travelling to, to the city, uh, we continue to get... Uh, calls in from uh, listeners saying why is there not a test centre in North Cork? Only yesterday we had a woman who had to, uh, you know, hike up from North Cork all the way up to, up to the city and you're just not happy about it. Like we had the test facility in the race course in Mallow. That worked so well. So any talks about bringing a test centre back out into the county? There isn't and I, I, I had spoken to you about this previously. I, I, I absolutely sympathise with that person and I, I, I'm familiar from a familial point of view uh, you know, with, with, with having to go to Cork as well uh, and you know, not, not me personally but it's, it's just the, the hassle that it brings and the additional stress and testing seems to have, you know take, played second fiddle now to, uh, you know the, the, the discussions around the vaccine rollout but you will still need testing. Mm. That's the key here. And it needs the same philosophy should apply for testing as it does to the rollout of the vaccine. It has to be delivered or carried out as near as makes no difference to uh, the person who's being tested, you know, in a familiar setting. So I, I, I'm continuing again on that one to try and push them to roll out more centres across the county. But I... I I think my words are falling on deaf ears if I'm to admit a certain degree. I'm not saying failure because one keeps trying in these matters, but I'm not being listened to on that one. But we will continue to make the case and press for the case for testing centres to be, you know, you can do testing centres in primary care facilities, for instance. 
in doctor surgery. Yeah, There's no reason it why doesn't you have to be a test centre. Okay. Exactly. All right, listen, we leave it there, uh, Sean. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks. Uh, good morning to you. That is East Cork Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock, 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text to WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Just staying on that topic of hearing that the, the government and the HSC are looking at possible venues where mass vaccination uh, could be uh, held. Mary Newman of uh, the GAA clubs and uh, Camogie clubs uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Mary. Uh, morning, Patricia. Mary. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You reckon all of the GAA clubs would willingly throw open their doors? Oh, I'm sure, Patricia. And I, I've been kind of saying it myself for weeks and probably months. You know, I pass just walking out, out walking. I pass my own club all the time. And, you know, it's so, I suppose, upsetting to see your club locked up and bolsters and nobody able to use it. And I've been saying this for ages when the vaccine comes out. Wouldn't it be fabulous if we could have used places like this? I know, like the Camogie Grounds, for instance, in Castle Road. Big, huge car park, big building, one door in, one door out. Ideal places. And I, I think for people in the communities, We'd say the elderly, just, I'm just going to take my own area. I'd be, we'd be Balavalan area. I know there would be an awful lot of elderly people. Maybe we wouldn't have access to get to town or, you know, the bus and parking. And I've been saying, gee, wouldn't the club be fabulous? It could go in one gate, out the other. And I'm sure there are so many rugby clubs and GA clubs and scout halls. And, and get, get, get these places open and get a bit of air into them. Yeah, and it's true. They're all, they've all been closed up. Most of them are locked up for months. months. Yeah, yeah. I can remember last year, Patricia, we normally, with our girls, as you know, I'm very involved in Camogie, my own club, get over. And I can distinctly remember our last week, last year, we just go back. We normally go back the first week in February. And we were back about a week. And I can remember Mary Ring, one of our coaches, coming in to me. She was putting on the hand sanitizer after coming up from the field, and she turned to me and said, Mary, this thing is not going away, it's going to get worse. And she was sending all the kids out to wash their hands, and it was probably the first week we were all kind of toning into this. We trained the following night outdoors in the Glen Resort Centre up the road. And my cousin Mary turned to me, she said, I've no feeling this could be our last night training. And it was. And the next night we were locked down, because actually our girls yeah. had... We had booked Parky Keys, the outdoor pitch with the lights, as a treat for our under-14 team, a, a game for them. And they were going down to play under lights. They were all excited because the boys were playing a semi-final after them. So we thought it was great. We were going down at 5 o'clock. So we had to tell all the kids that match off. And that was... And I can distinctly remember the weekend, and I can remember Mary Ring said to me, Mary, this thing is going to rock it. And how right she was. And she hard was to... A wise, woman, wise woman. And you couldn't have predicted a year later would still be oh, yeah, doing I mean, the same thing. She, you know, like yeah. we were saying in May, oh God, we can't go away. We always kind of go away for a week in May. And then January, I, oh, we always go on our summer holidays, as you know. As you know, the host, the busy host that we have. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a GAA, it's a GAA household. Mr. Mr. McCarthy would move in the summer in case there'd be two flights playing a match in parking, even if this is for anyone. <laughs> And but we always go in January because I like January. It's, it's nicer. And like Samara said to me, should we be glad by January? And I was kind of saying, why didn't you know? And like here we are, like, and we're looking at next January, and you're saying, well, uh, 
Maybe we're going to Crosshaven again for next January. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're anyway, allowed but, to Crosshaven, but but you, you but a, a lot of people uh, agreeing, uh, saying um, that lady that said it's Mary Newman uh, who was involved with Camogie uh, in Glen Rovers, out of her club at Glen Rovers. Um, Mary's been, a lot of people are saying you're dead right. Like every single town and village has okay. a GAA hall or a parish hall or a community hall. Open it up, bring the vaccinators in, and the people will come. And I mean, it's not as if they're all they're all not clean. I mean, we have to. We're all well able to clean the clubs and the clubs. And it's so lonesome. It's actually lonesome because just before this this bigger, as we call this one, the big lockdown, this last one, I went in to get some stuff. Some of our girls who would kind of, in fairness, are trying to keep themselves safe at home. And one or two of them were asking me, like, is there any of the dumbbells or anything down the club we could take? So I ran in and I got what I could for them. And you know, just to even step into the hall. And see it locked up since last February. It was actually lonesome. I nearly cried just looking at it. You know, I know, like I know. every every Christmas we'd put up a Christmas tree. It's kind of a tradition. Since, like as you know, I was reared in our club. I mean, my mother, who's ninety, God bless her, would have brought me out there before I was born. But <laughs> every Christmas we have a tradition that the Camogie Club put up this Christmas tree in the hall. It's just a tradition we have. The youngest child of the Camogie Club puts the, the last decoration on the baby and it's normally then in January oh god who's going to take down the Christmas tree and that's what we were saying last year like no Christmas tree nothing for the kids it's it's awful and I mean it's awful on people who are sick but like it's desperate for the kids like they have nothing and like you're meeting them on the street and they're all looking up at you saying when are we going back they don't understand you know they don't want them yeah you know children are having a really tough tough time of this you know I mean because it's uh, a lot of them are you know losing out on their childhood their sport yeah and you know what I found Patricia well we had we had the summer we had as we call it the first lockdown and we were in kind of spring heading into summer and clubs and groups were going telling people get out and walk and do this and do that and you'd meet them all on the street and they were walking and out with their hurleys and their footballs then we got we were as the man said we were released and what we noticed in our club, when the kids were allowed to come back, they were back in their droves, and we actually got a big amount of new kids joining. Now, we were very proactive with all the hand sanitizers. We actually had different entrances for all the age groups and everything. So we were really, really, like I think our children were the cleanest children in Cork, <laughs> because we had one mentor who was sanitizing the Harleys. She was spraying them with the antibacterial spray, and then cleaning them with the antibacterial wipes. And I was kind of gone. You know, like, if you do it with the two, like, you don't need the two. We were spraying helmets. We, and it was hard for hurling or camogie to do it because you had to spray the helmets, you had to spray the hurlies, you had to spray the slitters. But we got there. And, and did you and did you keep, did you get any COVID outbreaks? Not one. I just said it in our camogie club. I discussed it with our vice chairman, Tom, the other night. And I just said, I was actually the COVID officer because... I'm probably the one that roars the loudest. But not, I only said it how proud I was of all our, our COVID people in the club because we had a parent with every group and the parents signed all the kids in. We made sure we signed them in and we signed them out and we cleaned them in and we cleaned them out. And not one. Well done. We didn't have to, we didn't have to stop for one second because every parent and... You know, it was surprising my own, my grandniece, and I, I was going to say my niece, my grandniece, my sister brought her over training one morning and my sister was parked 
the, the car park, the lower car park, and she got a roast the car to go in, and Ellie made that door. No, Nan, I must go in the other way. And my sister said, if you want to walk up the hill to go down the steps, oh, Nan, she said, that's my area for going in. That's the one we go in. We have to go down those steps and clean our hands. That's our table. So, you know... Children fell into it. Yeah, they got they into the into habit. It. They did, they did. Yeah, okay, know, listen, but it's... Like, but so but but but, but you're all saying right. the offer is there. You reckon all the G and I know uh, Bob Ryan, uh, the Munster GA press officer, because obviously he's in negotiation with the HSC already about the use of uh, Porky Cueve, and he said that the, the GAA policy is that if there's a facility that's required by the HSC for vaccinations, then the the, the GAA with a ready and waiting approach, us please, uh, we, we'll help you out. Okay, listen, I'd it was good. Every club would. I, I, I think so as well. Club. I think so as well. I listen, Mary, good talking to you. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mary uh, Newman there of uh, Glen Rovers Camogie. Melissa says, Patricia, every parish has a GAA club. You could pick one in every area, says Pat, and open up a vaccination hub. And someone else says, Patricia, all the daycare centres in every town, they're all closed. They could be opened up and used for vaccination centres as well. 1850 We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way in the next hour. A suggestion on what you might do with your free postcard from on post. And we also are giving advice to migraine sufferers. If you suffer from migraines or someone in your household suffers from migraines and you have a question, we'll have the Migraine Association of Ireland joining us uh, after news at 11. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Nerny here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Fimber O'Brien of Sarsfield's GAA coaching officer was listening to my chat with Mary Newman in the last hour and said, I agree with everything that Mary uh, was saying to you before 11. The children are doing the best they can in very difficult times. Fimber also thinks that the vaccine rollout at GAA clubs would help to improve measures. If it would help to roll out, it, roll out the vaccine faster, then bring it on, says Fimber. The GAA more than willing and able and ready to accommodate people. And we were talking about where would these vaccination, if they decide to go with these large vaccination centres, where would they be? Listen says, if you're setting up a vaccination centre for West Cork, please remember how far away Beira, for example, Dursey, Ard Groom and everywhere in between. Please remember how far away they actually are from Cork City or even Clonakilty. If there is one that needs to be further west, then I would suggest there needs to be one further west than Clonakilty. I would be suggesting at very worst you could have it in Bantry. Could they not set up a mobile centre whereby they could kit out a truck and go around the country with it. Wouldn't that be great? And they could roll in from uh, town to town. And Kieran Tosulawan, thank you for that. Kieran Tosulawan in Clonakilty says, on places for community vaccination, how about church buildings? They're in towns, they're in every rural area. They usually have multiple entrances and exits, so it would be easy to manage queues and operate a one-way system for people. Plenty of seating so that people could queue safely, all socially distanced. Usually they're very high ceilings and most of 
our church buildings are airy. Many have large car parks attached and with the exception of a funeral or mass time, they would be available. We need to think outside the box, says Kenneth O'Sullivan in uh, Clonakilty. Uh, good to hear from you, Kenneth. And you are right, yeah. That's exactly what to do. We need to think outside the box. And Mary contacted us to say, my sister got her vaccination in Plymouth in uh, England three weeks ago. It was in a pavilion. They were all socially distanced. They were in and out in 10 minutes. She's due for her second jab now. We're not very good at organising things, are we here, says uh, Mary. So a little bit like what uh, Kionant is saying, think we need to think outside of the box. 1850 And just one more on vaccines and says, Patricia, do we need to get the COVID vaccine? Will we need to get it every year like we do with the flu uh, vaccine? Simple answer to that at this moment in time is, and nobody knows, there is talks that we may need to get a booster shot every year, a little bit like the flu jab, but nobody knows, nobody can say how long immunity, once you get the vaccine, how long the immunity lasts, but obviously it's something that scientists and the powers that be are working on. Thank you for your text. Now, recently, on post announced that they were once again offering households uh, a, the chance to post free postcards to anywhere in Ireland by delivering two free postcards to every household. Sandra Flynn has contacted us with a suggestion that she has as to where people might send their cards. Good morning to you, Sandra. Hi Patricia, how are you? I, I, I'm very well, thank you, and uh, and thank you for contacting us. And and I love this. I like this. I really like this suggestion. You want people to think about our frontline staff. Just explain your suggestion to us. Well, um, like many people, I suppose I've been cocooning or shielding since March, and I I think we're all kind of weary from it and tired of it. And I was having a bad old week. I was kind of feeling very sorry for myself. And um, these things fell down and the, the nurse's post was passing in the post to me and I said, oh, sure they? And he said, look, there are postcards. Now you can write away to somebody. And so I had him in my hand and I was like, oh, yeah, that, who can I cheer up now with these? Or, you know, what can I do with them? And I was thinking, right, I'm here and I'm banging off the four walls ready to lose my mind. But I'd always try and look at it. OK, what do I have? Or who's worse than me? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I said, right, I know people, I have friends working in on the front line and they're just devastated, Patricia. They're just on the ground at this stage. And I have very severe asthma, so I, I owe so much to the healthcare system from so many I have different health issues and I've been saved and helped many times. So I was saying, right, that's where mine are going anyway. And then I was sitting there and I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if we could just flood them with good thoughts? And they're so bright and green and vibrant that for whoever is working on um, reception, it's not going to be difficult because they can just, they know straight away, this is another one of these. Yeah. So we can just put that in a bag and they can all go down to the staff room, canteen, wherever. And for when people come in, or even if you're a head nurse on a ward, you can pick up one or two every day and put them on the ward just to let people know that we are thinking of them and we are grateful. Because I think there are so many, you know, begrudgers out there and people that are just like, COVID isn't real and anti-vaxxers, that I think they're even... That alone, one friend of mine said, I just have to tune them out. I can't listen to them. Because she said if they had to come in every day and, like, she knows I would empathise because I've been in that position where I haven't been able to catch my breath thinking you're going to die. And it's not a nice position. Because of a bad asthma attack? 
Yeah, I've had severe asthma. And, like, the nurses that are with you, you, like, Patricia, I'm sure you've had experience, the nurses that are with you, they feel every ounce of pain that their patients feel. They're not in the job for nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The majority of nurses are standing beside you when you are in trouble. And especially when they know you or they've gotten to know you over a week, they're standing there and it takes it out of them as well. That's what people don't realise. They're personally involved in these people's lives by by the time they go to ICU. If somebody has to go into ICU, then they need one-to-one care. So you can imagine how involved you are in trying to keep that person alive. And sometimes they're doing it now with people that aren't qualified in ICU. So instead of having to mind one patient, which is enough in ICU, they have to mind two, realistically, because while there's somebody sitting at the bed to make sure that the patient doesn't get agitated and pull out the ventilator or that their stats don't go down too quickly or anything like that, they're they're doing double the work. And it's not that it's the emotional strain having to go home to your family later on that night to worry, am I bringing it back to yeah. my family that yeah. night? Even if you're not in ICU, if you're in a, an ordinary ward, it can break out at any time. And, and do you know a group, a group that I've really been thinking about uh, this week, when the figures came out about the number of people that have died in our nursing homes? Yeah. And the staff that are, you know, I mean, there were some nursing homes where they lost five patients in one twenty in one day, one twenty four hour yeah. period. And it's, you know, what really got to me was these are people who would might have lived in that nursing home. Some of them could have been in there for years and they've I built up great relationships with the staff. Yeah. And that's like I losing a family for, member. It is. It, you hit the nail on the head. I worked for 10 years as care assistant in Nazareth House. And like, uh, we all hear the bad stories but you don't hear the stories that I've lived. And that is that when we're treating people like that for years, they become like our second grandparents. Do you understand me? Yeah, I do. And you fall in love with them. You literally do. And everyone has their favourites on the board. Everyone has their couple of favourites that they'll do the shopping, you know, they'll get a few bits for them when they're coming in to work the next day or they'll bring the surprise for them. They'll remember their birthdays. Do you know, we get a involved as the family do and when they pass oh I remember my first year um, in the nursing home I was like I'm not going to be able to do this because I'd come from um, I used to work as a restaurant manager so when I went in there I was affable and I knew how you know I knew how to empathize with people but I didn't understand how much pain you would actually go through every time you lost somebody and no matter how that's my Labrador it's okay so um, you can so imagine for a nursing home to lose five of their residents in one day. Devastating, devastating. Yeah. yeah, you'd just be, and I also know how much they're trying to keep it out of the bloody place and the effort that is going into trying to keep that going. And some cases are getting it just before the vaccine is meant to arrive. And you can imagine after keeping people safe for, for the 10 months. Year, yeah. And then it comes in and it wipes out five of your residents yeah, in one day or so it's So it's nursing homes you would you would suggest people could send them to well, as well? Yeah, I'd suggest if everybody in their local area picked their hospital, like for me, Mallow Hospital and the UMH would be the two places that I would end up most times. 
and um, obviously I'll be sending one to Nazareth. Um, I got four, so I don't know whether I was looking or what, but I got four. <laughs> say <laughs> nothing. One. Say we, nothing. We'll say nothing, yeah. Um, but anyway. So and just what? Just I, say thank you, put a little positive message I on it. Just, yeah, just put a positive message. Just say, look, we're here for you. We are behind you, whatever it's like. One night I was on Facebook and, you know, off Facebook is like the layer of I don't know what. But um, I was watching on an Irish Independent post about um, there was a comment on COVID and nursing and stuff like that. And there was a few laughing faces and it really annoyed me. So I said, right, I have to look now and balance this out and see how many are laughing. And, you know, at this stage of the time, early on, you had all these really... I mean, I think at this stage, if it, if you don't think COVID is real, you're a bit of an idiot. But and I'm sorry, but that's the way I'm. A, I'd be straight and I'd straight at, say that straight to somebody's face as well. But I went through and I was looking, and there was two two happy laughing faces. So I just pointed out. I said, look for anybody who's out there working in on the front line, working in hospitals, working in care homes, whatever. I just like to point out that there's the the laughing faces on top, there's only two of them in actual fact. There's only two people that are laughing at this article, which was very serious. And I said, I just wanted to point. And the amount of nurses that came on and said, you know, thank you for that, because it is disheartening when you see those laughing faces. Mm. And I, I think at this stage, they just have tuned out and haven't, you know, they just, even with the anti-vaccine now, um, I like I had to point out to somebody on Facebook during the week and it went, it got into a full blown kind of thing where everybody mounted on top of me but I held my own yeah. because Well don't you've gotta be so careful on social media because you can it, get some um, of the most vilest comments. Twitter is one uh, is a yeah. particular social media uh, that I use and I just like that I just have to walk away because I just don't want to uh, you're very brave to take people on because there's I, trolls. You know they do I, not they're just there to be nasty for for nastiness sake. I just took it on because they were frightening one person I know that would be in my position that would need this vaccine and giving out misinformation. And then when I asked, all I asked, I, I mean, I wasn't looking for trouble. I just said, right, if you have information that this vaccine is dangerous, please give it to me so that I can balance my outlook on it. Yeah, couldn't. good but point. It was just like... And they couldn't I, give you any information. No, no, no. Yeah. And every time I backed up something with actual scientific information from reliable sources I kept saying right give me your information and no and it then and then um, got sorry with me and just like it was like oh I was so unreal and un what would I like to say yeah walk you know, walk, walk away walk, at that I'd stage walk you away yeah. with, with my dignity and I was yeah. like yeah, yeah. Well, keep you're, walking. you're right okay so, so your suggestion is send the postcards to your local hospital your local nursing at home just with yeah, a little bit of pos- positivity uh, for the staff and you also before I let you go uh, Sandra have another kind of a nice suggestion and this is to do with is it just for student nurses or is it all frontline staff with well, the public transport I would say for all frontline staff, because I know myself, anybody who doesn't need it won't take advantage of it in frontline. And a lot of people will be, when they are in frontline working for a long time, will have a second car or whatever um, because of healthcare or childcare issues, which is another thing they shouldn't have to be dealing with. But we'll deal with the travel first. But I just, 
I think like so many people like me and my older neighbours around me aren't using their public transport, their free travel mm-hmm. at the moment. So why can't the government say, right, let this be our gesture to the student nurses, especially who I've heard, sorry, my breath is going, I've heard stories of them not being able to pay for lunch uh, or trying to decide whether to get on the bus or eat their lunch. And Patricia, we've all been in that position when we were in college. She would be going, will I walk now or will I get the bus? But they're so, they're just wrecked. And these girls are going in on the board working. They're not going in, they're standing there and being supervised anymore. They're thrown in the deep end and they have to work solidly for that 12 hours. So I think the least we could do is that they show their ID. If you have a medical ID and you can show it to the bus driver, it should be just You go here. for free. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? Why, why Why not? Okay, listen, Sandra, and how are you, you, are you totally cocooning? Pardon? Are you totally cocooning? Are you staying indoors? Yeah, yeah I you, have to. Um, do you get out at all? No. Um, oh. At the moment, no, um like because the new variants are and as like when viruses are in the community for as long as we had this one they can mutate and as you know they have so like my lung specialist is just like stay inside I prefer if you stayed inside and are you are you, have you other people at home with you uh, no I live on my own so I get the bit I have my Labrador but um, and like people are afraid to come in and stuff because I had my son at Christmas um, so he came and he stayed for two or three days with me and that, that was lovely and who does the um, shopping and all of that I do it online do yeah okay. I do the shopping online and do you yeah. get out for even a little bit of a walk somewhere where there are not people around or anything well sometimes it, at about six in the morning if um, you you might see this small little green figure with her Labrador <laughs> in the park <laughs> Um trying to get in a small walk if I can if I'm in the mood and if you know what I mean yeah so, yeah. yeah you might see us at that time kind of slurpy around the right now we got out for there was freedom there for two weeks um, around April where it was kind of like okay you know can I go for it and it was like go for it but be careful and you know be sensible about it and so we we were we were going for walks then but at the moment it's really serious at the moment like um, and do you know when you are entitled to a vaccine um we're a good bit down the line yeah. anybody with um underlying issues it's crazy because, um, isn't it I, I can't I still can't get my head around that people with underlying he- health conditions that they're not prior, i mean even people with cystic fibrosis and just yeah and, and i know of uh, another group are the transplant um patients yeah. and yeah. and they're shielding they can't go outside the door like like yourself until you get the vaccine yeah, no, it's too dangerous. Um, yeah, I have um, a form of brittle asthma. Um, so, like, if even when I get a chest infection, it floors me. Even if I get the flu, if I got the flu last year, and um, it floored me uh, completely. And I'd been in hospital, I think, five times that year before I had gotten the flu, so... Um, you have to protect yourself. Like yeah. Okay. So. Well, stay well, stay safe, and well done on coming up with your suggestion of thinking of others. You're, it's fantastic. Yeah. And, and uh, people might come up with other stuff. Or, absolutely, you know. absolutely. But look, look. And I, I think we do have to back up the nurses, and we do have to say, look, they need, and not just nurses, all hospitals, all the staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the cleaners in the hospital, I always say, if they're not doing their job, you're going to get sick. Everybody in the hospital 
their job, every job matters as much as one is the other. So anybody with a hospital ID should be able to. Well I done. reckon. Well done. Well done. Listen, okay. my, look after yourself, Sandra, and thank you for that. You too, Patricia. And Mind th- yourself. Bye bye. And uh, thanks for joining us. 1850-333-103. Mary in Carrigaline says that she got a few of the postcards into her house. Uh, one of them is is has I think it has has it love or something written on one of them and the other is blank I know they want people to draw on it but a lot of older people can't draw so I t- stuck a photo Mary said onto mine and uh, I've sent it uh, off it might be an idea for those who can't draw <laughs> yeah that's a really good idea uh, I know what I did with my blank one uh, I got Marsha loves you know obviously being blind she doesn't draw either uh, but she loves make and do and she loves to uh, stickers you know stickers that are raised like foam like stickers so I got the we got the plain one and we got some of the stickers out and she put stickers on and she sent it off uh, to her nana and I, and I meant to mention this on yesterday uh, we sent it I popped it into the post on Tuesday uh, from here in Cork and it was in Tipperary on uh, Wednesday morning so it was next day delivery for people who are complaining about the post there is still some next day delivery there and I know the postal service are very busy at the moment but but you can get next day delivery sometimes sometimes uh, but yeah we put stickers on it but yeah but it's nice to do some but that's a good suggestion Mary just stick a photograph of yourself or, or something else but it can be a nice photograph of yourself and send it off to uh, a loved one 1850 C103 John Part-time trainee bicycle mechanic slash sales advisor is wanted. That's for Cycle Sense Bike Shop. That's in uh, Blarney. While Kyohan Seafood in Bantry, they're looking for general operatives. Full-time farm labour is required for Fremont, Charleville and Kanturk areas. And full and part-time farm operating positions available in Mill Street and Moyne Abbey. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie. A new survey released this week by the Migraine Association of Ireland revealed that 68% of Irish people living with migraine believe their condition will continue to interrupt their lives this year with nearly a third of respondents saying they lose up to 12 days a month due to migraines. Uh, to discuss migraines in more detail, I'm joined by Dr. Eddie O'Sullivan, who's director of the Migraine Clinic at the Cork University Hospital and he's medical advisor to the Migraine Association. Good morning to you, Eddie. Yeah, good morning. Um, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Thank you. Uh, when, when somebody gets diagnosed with migraine, do they simply believe that this is a condition they just have to live with? Well, I, I think there, there's a certain, uh, I suppose, pattern to that in, in that in migraine itself is such a common disorder and it runs in families so people may be aware that you know their mother or their sister or their aunt suffered from migraine and it was a debilitating condition for them throughout their lives and felt that maybe that if I suffer from migraine then I'm going to have to suffer in the same way as they did um, and that's a bit of a myth of course in the sense that people shouldn't accept that kind of fatalistic approach to migraine um, because it is a treat, treat a condition that we can treat much better now so I think if patients, um, you know, suffer from migraine symptoms or what they feel are migraine symptoms, they should certainly uh, consult with their uh, general practitioner to, to get an accurate diagnosis, number one, and then specifically then to look at the, the treatment options and uh, that are there and currently available and all the changing um, 
treatment protocols that are coming into the management of migraine now, which is a, you know, a, a, an area of medicine that uh, significant progress has been made in in recent years. And do many people suffer from migraine in this country? Well, again, it's, it's, it's very common. It affects at least 10 to 12% of the population. So you're talking about well in excess of half a million people. Wow, wow, um, that's a lot of people. And it is more common in women, of course, three to one. Um, and Children? Uh, yes, children. It's a, it, it's, it's a bit different in children in the sense that it, it, the symptoms are probably a little bit less disabling. Um, but it is, it is common. It often goes into remission in children, but can come back again in adult life again. And do we know what causes migraines? Well, we have a much clearer understanding now with, about the science around migraine in the sense that we know that the, the areas that cause the headache and the associated symptoms, you know, are the, are the structures known as the coverings of the brain, the meninges, and the, the large blood vessels inside the head. So that we know that during a migraine attack that you get the release of certain uh, chemicals which brings about uh, a reaction in these structures, giving rise to a pain pathway, and then the emergence of the symptoms such as the, the throbbing, pounding headache, which can be one-sided or both sides, the accompanying symptoms of nausea, which may lead to vomiting, uh, the intolerance to light and the intolerance to, uh, to sound. And of course, it's the severity of those symptoms which uh, uh, results in this uh, condition having in such a high impact on the individual in that they're unable to function. You know, if they're at work, they often have to leave their workplace, go home, lie down in a quiet, dark room, shut themselves off from their family members. And these attacks can go on for four to 72 uh, hours. My they're God. incredibly disrupting, disruptive to, to the individual's uh, uh, lifestyle. That's dreadful that it, that it can actually last um, uh, uh, that it can actually last that long and you hear of people having triggers oh such and such thing will trigger my migraine. I take it that's different for everybody is it? Yeah and it, man, Everybody's migraine, you know, has its own descriptive pattern. And then, of course, from a clinical point of view, as doctors, we, we get patients to keep headache diaries going forward to look at, the, you know, are there patterns to their migraine. And we do recognize that trigger factors, you know, uh, can be identified, not in all patients, but in about 40% of patients. And the commonest triggers are often lifestyle ones, particularly things like generalized stress, missed meals, overtiredness, lack of sleep. Um, in women, it's very commonly associated with the menstrual cycle, usually just at the, at the onset of their period. Uh, alcohol, of course, can be a trigger. Dietary triggers, cheese, chocolate, uh, dairy products. So we don't um, ask people to kind of um, give up certain foods or anything like that. But what we do ask them to do is that when you do get a migraine attack, you know, uh, are any of these trigger factors relevant to you as a person and as an individual in terms of triggering an attack? And you often see some factors then emerge and then obviously by addressing the trigger factors, that in itself can help to reduce the frequency in which attacks occur. And you mentioned that stress can bring on a, a migraine. I'm just wondering, there's a lot of people very stressed at the moment because of the pandemic. Has the pandemic, have you seen an increase in frequency of migraines? Well, I, I think the pandemic has had a, both a positive and a negative impact, you, you know, for individuals who suffer from migraine. And I suppose that brings you back to the circumstances of that, of a patient's lifestyle. Obviously, from general principles, um, you know, I think the whole concept of lockdown is an unhealthy one anyhow. And I'm not a great advocate of working from home in the context of the social isolation, um, lack of uh, in lack of interaction, social interaction. That are all very important things in your daily lifestyle that, you know, that when you kind of lose out on all these things, you become uh, very isolated and that can lead to its own stress, um, uh, lack of that kind of stimulation. Also, 
you know, obviously being, you know, working at lengthy times, maybe if you're working from home in front of a computer, all of that. And then obviously the whole stress of COVID itself, which is an extremely worrying time for everybody. All of those contribute to your threshold and vulnerability for attack. And I suppose the other side of that coin, of course, I suppose working from home for some patients, you know, has made lifestyle a little bit more manageable in terms of time management if they're not having to commute long distances to work. So for some patients, it has been a favorable thing. But by and large, I would think, though, that the whole COVID pandemic, you know, has been very challenging for for everybody, including Mm. migraine patients. And then due to COVID, are people reluctant to call their GPs? Well, I think... Well, that's a, I think that not only just for migraine, but I suppose a general practice has always been encouraging patients to maintain contact with their GP if they have health issues because, uh, you know, the health issues are still in the background. You know, some of them are uh, obviously need to be addressed. And I think in the context of migraine, if your migraine is debilitating and you haven't had a diagnosis, uh, or you're not managing it very well, then certainly you should consult with your GP. And I think a lot of people do, but I think obviously there are probably patients who don't because, you know, because the other side of the coin is that we're all told to stay in lockdown. We cut ourselves off from the world, and I suppose the GP can be cut off as well because it's felt that maybe at another level you shouldn't be going to the GP because you might put yourself at risk of infection. But it's a safe environment, and it's yeah. very well structured in general practice. So, And, and of course, a lot of general practitioners will also do consultations over the phone as well now or yeah. um, through telemedicine, so all of this kind of other, other ways of... Uh, seeing your doctors is emerging as well. So we, I would encourage, uh, you know, obviously all patients who suffer from migraine who are having a problem with their management, both in the context of their acute attack or if the frequency of their attacks are occurring to such that uh, they're going up, then there are, you know, things like preventative drugs and preventative treatments options that are important to consider. Okay, and, and you do that by, and you find out about them by contacting your yes. your GP. And, and I'm assuming you'd encourage people to, to hook up with the Migraine Association of Ireland. I mean, those kind of associations are great for offering support. Well, the, the, the Migraine Association is, is a fantastic patient support group. First of all, they're very well informed. They give very good, accurate uh, information that's out there in the migraine world. It's reliable. It's a very good source. They're, they're very supportive. They're very knowledgeable to staff and they can guide you in different directions in terms of where you need to go in terms of the management of your migraine. And they also do very good webinars and, and talks, etc. you know, in, in, in their routine activities. Well done. Well done. And it's, it's the Migraine Association of Ireland. Listen, Eddie, we, te- we thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you for that. Thanks very Thanks much. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. That is Dr. Eddie O'Sullivan, uh, Director of the Migraine grain clinic at the Cork University Hospital but please reach out to your GP if you're suffering from uh, migraines and, and I think Lady is right you'll often find you'll hear from people oh you know you suffer from migraines were you ever diagnosed oh no but my mother always got them or my father always got them it runs in my family and people just think they have to put up with this there's, a, there's been a lot of breakthroughs when it comes to the management of migraines so please don't suffer in silence reach out 1850 John Paul takes your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Hi, this is Nick. You work away in the afternoons and I'll work on the greatest hits. What do you want to hear? I want to dance with someone by Whitney Houston. Oh! Under Pressure by David Bowie and Queen. Pressure, pushing down on me, pressing down on you. Playing Cork.
greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards, weekdays from 1. C103. Good morning. I'm joined by Sergeant uh, John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Uh, for this Thanks week's, for uh, you're very welcome for this week's Guard the File. And uh, good news is the burglaries are well down. Yeah, thankfully burglaries are well down and I don't want to kind of make people complacent but I just uh, let them know what's happening on the ground. Um, I think we've seen only about three in the last fortnight, you know, in the whole uh, Cork North Division, you know, which is which is great. Um, thefts, you're still having uh, thefts from unlocked cars. I saw there in Grange in Formoy, uh chainsaw and a trimmer uh, being taken there from an unlocked vehicle um, there between the night of the 22nd, 23rd of uh, January, just gone. Uh, other items, home heating oil there in Watergrass Hill, and uh, a gate stolen from a field there in Ballycock. Just to give you an idea what's happening. I see fraud, and I'd like to suppose place a bit of emphasis on different types of fraud uh, this morning. Um, one item that I see, and I'd ask people to be very, very careful. In this case, a person, uh, they transferred €950 Euro in exchange for an iPhone. Uh, they, it had uh, transaction that they were taken over Facebook. Um, the seller now has blocked the IP's, the injured party's number. Um, so, you, you know, it was a scam from start to finish. Oh, so my God. I'd ask people, you know, that's hard down. That's money. a lot of money as well. Yeah, and it's and in most instances it's money hard earned, or yeah. you know maybe some people on the PUP payment, and they said, yeah, well we can't do anything else, we'll get a phone, but be very very careful of uh, of things like that. Um, we're also seeing now in the in the recent past a number of complaints coming in of attempts to take money from accounts. Now, thankfully, uh, the majority have been unsuccessful. Now, there is the odd one where there is success, and in this instance, uh, it happened down in Middleton where a lady came into the station, she received a text message purporting to be from AIB stating that certain features on her account had been disabled due to suspicious activity. There was a link in the text message to go out to resolve the issues. She clicked on the link, filled out her details, and it turned out anyway uh, a sum of 4000 was transferred from her account. So, so just to give uh, an idea of the easy way things can happen, uh, another incident, and uh, this was, Nothing was taken in this particular incident where uh, a lady called into a station there in in our area, um, again received a text message purporting to be from Revenue asking for her details. You know, uh, filled out details, including a copy of her passport. No bank details were exchanged. You know, um, uh, uh, she realized then, yeah, this is a scam. Uh, she con- did, in fairness, contact the Revenue just to let them know what had happened and also Passport Office. But here you have uh, valuable identity uh, details that could be used maybe to build up, um, you, you know, with a version may- maybe thinking afterwards maybe of using it for identity theft, mm. you know. So uh, this is the second or third um, incident where I've seen people, uh, I suppose, over the last few months sending uh, given details of their passport. So, you know, there is a reason why... the general data protection regulations were introduced across the European Union. You know, data, or you know, our own data is a valuable commodity. And that commodity is something that's been traded the same as tea or coffee or anything else. Uh, you know, you see where information is being, you know, is being sold, you know. So for people to be very, very aware, uh, you know, of, of, of giving information like that. Yeah, um, and, and any time you get an unsolicited text call or email, 
you need to stop and think. You certainly don't click straight away. I mean, I know even yesterday we had a listener contacted us about a courier company that had contacted her and she thought it was a bit suspicious. Uh, now, we looked into it and it turned out that it was a genuine text from the from this company who was delivering an item to her. But she was right to be suspicious. That's, the way, that's right. the way we're gone. Check it out. And if it is genuine, fine. If it's not, you're protecting yourself. Exactly, exactly. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to query details or anything like that. Um, just another thing to mention as well. Um, uh, during the Level 5 lockdown, you know, uh, services in churches are not taking place. However, most churches are open to the For private, private prayer. prayer. Yeah. And in this instance, we had a, a, a criminal travelling from uh, Cork City, based in Cork City. He had targeted a number of churches in East Cork area. He has now been caught and will be appearing before the courts. But his modus operandi was basically thinking that, yeah, people will be going in, they'll be still leaving donations inside in envelopes into donation boxes and he was fishing them out. So, yeah. thankfully, uh, the majority of churches now have, have good CCT, CCTV cameras and uh, this ind- individual was, you know, he was, was caught, thank God. Thank yeah. God, yeah. It was, a, it was a particularly mean, mean spirited uh, theft. Uh, now, we, we know we've got the 5K rule and there's a, a lot of new rules and guidelines when it comes under the, under the Health Act. Have you had to issue many fines to people? Uh, there have been a number issued all across the country, you know, and um, uh, like I suppose on the first lockdown, you know, we were very much, you know, going with the four E's, you know, of engagement, you know, encouraging people and that. And um, very much this time, you, you know, enforcement is an option that, you know, is more and more uh, being used by us and has to be used by us. Uh, I suppose ju- just to give you a couple of instances, uh, we had for individuals, uh, young people, you know, persons in their twenties, they came down there to the to Red Barn. They were staying uh, in a in a in a place down there. So obviously, they were well outside their five k, uh, about thirty k from from Cork City. So they're being uh, given they're being given tickets. It's been enforced there. We had another man that uh, drove from Clonmel, and when he was stopped there, a two pot house, new two pot house, um, he was telling them he was coming down to feed a horse. Now, I mean. You hear cock and bull stories, but, you know, he was going a long way to feed a horse. Um, and have you a lot of checkpoints out? Yeah, yeah there's plenty of checkpoints out. Plenty okay. of checkpoints. Now, we had an incident last Sunday Sunday as well with four people with sulkies out in the Moore Abbey area. And, uh, you know, and we find that, thankfully, individuals in Moore Abbey rang us in, number of complaints. So uh, four in- individuals have been identified and they will be prosecutors as well on, under the Health Act 1947, given fines. You know, um, so look, the vast majority of people are cooperating and they're, you know, they've been very careful and they're abiding by the 5K limit, you know. But, you know, we all just have to, have to bunker down and uh, on, until this crisis has passed us. And if there's an essential reason for your journey, you're OK, because I know we keep getting, I think, you know, the majority of people are great and are, are abiding by it. And every now and again, we'll get a question in from somebody. You know, it's a very genuine reason that somebody needs, needs to travel. If it is an essential reason, there was somebody, for example, the other day had a medical appointment and was afraid because it was outside the 5K. And we were saying, no, you're fine. If you could stop by the guards, you just show them your appointment and you will be OK. So when you have a genuine reason, it's OK, but it's yes, the people who no are. There's no problem with anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's the yeah. people who are who are just don't give a damn and are just taken off outside the five k. There's a exactly. high probability you know, of that. And we illustrated a few of them now there, uh, Patricia. You know, I mean, look, any lad, uh, you know, that's stopping people on the checkpoint, you know, we're exercising our common sense the whole time. You know, as regards what's genuine, what's not. 
you know, I mean, very easy. Look, we're, we're good at reading people, you know. Um, individuals are highly experienced out there. They're good at reading the situation straight away. They can see nervousness straight away in, 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 in some of the people that are trying to give them the, the cock and the bull story, you know. Um, look, if you have, there is no problem whatsoever with going to any... any um, medical checks or anything like that, just yeah. bring a bit of documentation with you, you yeah. know, yeah. and um, we'll, we'll take it from there. And it's it's to keep everybody safe. The vaccines are arriving. We don't, you know, let's just all hang in there uh, and, and we will come out the other side. Listen, we were talking about a guy that she called yesterday with your fantastic dance challenge. You weren't invited to take part yourself. No, I wouldn't have the necessary moves <laughs> now at this stage, Patricia, you know. <laughs> Yes, maybe one time, not anymore. I leave it to my younger colleagues, you know. Have you you've and seen it, obviously? I've seen it, yeah. and I've seen the Swiss. I've seen the Swiss response this morning as well. Yeah, with, wasn't with, that with brilliant? The, they, they... With, absolutely brilliant. Very encouraging to see it, you know. Yeah, it was great. And, and I mean, the Swiss for people who didn't see it, the, the Swiss responded and they they hung the tricolor out of one of their buildings. It, it it was just one of those moments, you know, that that, that really you know, that people like to see, you know. Yeah, it's great. And uh, great. look, I suppose we just have to keep going, the, the, you know, the dark times. And I would say to people, look, the darkest hour is always the, the one before dawn. Yeah, we will get there. We will get to the other side. Listen, you stay safe, uh, John, and thanks a million for joining us. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Sergeant John Kelly based at uh, from Oigard, the station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Iran in the week, every day morphs into the next. We were talking about Cork County Council and civic immunity charges and prices going up and we were led to believe that the charges in for some are are almost doubling. Like I think it was a a single axle trailer was going from 20 to 40 euro. A double axle trailer of timber was going from 40 euro to 80 euro and people were really, really concerned saying this is going to lead to more dumping and we spoke with the Cork Environmental Forum very worried about the charges and then we heard that the councillors were very annoyed uh, about it and that it was going to be discussed at uh, council level. And we, in the meantime, had emailed Cork County Council to see if they could confirm or deny the prices were going up at the civic community site. Well, they've come back to us with the response to say the Cork County Council can confirm that arrangements in relation to civic community site charges are currently being finalised with no changes due before the 1st of March because we we had a listener who contacted us who said they were told that the charges were going up on the 1st of February which would have been Monday of this week so there are new charges coming in we don't know what the new charges are but they're certainly not going to happen before the 1st of March so if you're planning on going to a civic community site for this month of February it'll be the same prices that you normally have been uh, paying but watch this space and we'll keep you updated with the finalise with finalising new charges does lead me to believe that prices are going up by how much they're going to go up I don't know so as soon as we get any more information on that we certainly will bring it uh, to you we were talking about the cards and the free cards that on post are giving out to people nationwide and we had the lovely suggestion from Sandra she says people might consider sending them to the frontline workers either at your local hospital care home nursing home and just send a kind of a positive message or just a little thank you to say look we're thinking about you we know the amazing work that you are doing well a listener has been on to say Patricia I got a beautiful card from my aunt 
who is a patient in Yall Hospital. The staff got all of the residents to colour the blank side of the postcards. Then they wrote a message for the family on the other side and popped it into the post. Well, I have to say, says this texter, it just made my day. What a fabulous thing to do. Just a big thank you to all of the wonderful staff at Yall Hospital. They're just amazing people. That's gorgeous. And there, it's the staff at a hospital like that and the residents that Sandra's thinking about if, if you want to consider. I don't know if you've got your free postcard yet you might send one back to maybe your aunt dress it to your aunt at Yall Hospital. And then another lovely suggestion came in from Jim to say Patricia I was thinking about sending the postcards to Adam King you know, the little boy who was on the Late Late Show with his virtual hug. And I also, says Jim, see, he's just launching a Valentine's Day card. Another person I thought about was maybe sending it to Vicky Phelan. Surely she would be another worthy recipient, except Vicky's in America at the moment and you can only post these postcards to home. But if you could get her home address, you certainly could post it there. Anyway, another suggestion from Jim. Katrina Toomey, Cork Penny Dinners, even though she might be too busy to even have time to read all of the cards with the hectic schedule. Maybe Dr Tony Hulham for trying to keep us all in the straight and narrow with the virus and I'm often wondering how his wife is doing now yeah I think of her every now and again as well I I don't know I mean obviously that's his private life but we hope she's doing okay and then Jim says of course to your good self Patricia you might like a card sent to you for keeping us informed of what's going on Uh, listen Jim thank you kind of you to even think of me but there's way more worthy recipients than me but you've got lots of really good suggestions in there for people that you could send the cards to so put your thinking caps on when you get when you get your cards but you know but you might have loved ones you might have family members that you want to send them on to people you haven't seen in quite some time but make sure you get them back in the post because they really do cheer people up when they pop through the letterbox we have been talking about vaccinations and vaccination centres and where would be good places for vaccination centres. John in Mill Street has come up with a good one. He said, why not use the Green Glens in Mill Street? That surely would be central to people in the general North Cork area and beyond. It's a very spacious location and it would be ideal for it. Yeah, we do have absolutely lots of venues that could be used. And no doubt that's exactly what the HSC are doing at the moment, putting their thinking caps on if they feel that there will be a need for vaccination centres. And it's how other countries, when we get to the stage where we have enough vaccines in this country and we are ready to do the mass mass ones to roll out the mass vaccinations to as many people as possible. Yeah, it's those bigger, bigger places that we need uh, to use. And by the way, when Jim, um, was it Jim mentioned um, young Adam King, just to give a plug to little Adam King who uh, came into the hearts of everyone I think on the Late Late Show with his virtual hug just to let people know and Jim is right they have he's teamed up with um, Super Value and Centra for these gorgeous cards it's everybody I mean I think at this stage everybody knows his heart shaped virtual hug for you I think everybody everybody as soon as you see it you know that that's little Adam King's uh, hug well they've reproduced that onto these gorgeous cards that are going on sale tomorrow in all Super Value and selected Centra stores. It's in in his in Adam's effort to support people's mental health in these challenging times. Adam is encouraging senders of his card to write personal messages on the hug inside in the card. And then, if you are lucky enough to receive one of these gorgeous Valentine cards with Adam's hug on the front, you're encouraged then. Uh, after Valentine's to cut out the hug and display it somewhere. So you'll have your own little virtual hug that you'll be able to you might put it in a window or put it somewhere around the house just to uh, remind you of, of how important hugs are and there will come a time when we won't have to just give virtual hugs we'll be able to give real hugs and the real 
lovely side to this card, this Hug for You card that goes on sale tomorrow. It's all proceeds from the cards going to Children's Health Ireland at Temple Street and Cork University Hospital Charity. And Adam's dad, uh, David and the family, said they're just you know thrilled to support the two uh, hospitals. So they're encouraging people to buy the cards. They're on sale, as I say, from tomorrow. Uh, limited edition cards and they're retailing at three ninety nine, so just €4. Euro. And as I say, they're available Super Value and Selectra Centra stores from tomorrow but well done to Adam King and uh, his family for coming up with that it's it's a lovely 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 idea and I imagine lots of people will go and buy them and uh, send them on okay that's a pet question keep your pet questions coming in please because Jane will join us a little bit later on on answering all of your pet questions hi Patricia no matter what on guard the Shia corner say about the number of checkpoints and trying to question uh, drivers there are still people going well outside of their 5k and even if they're stopped they're still managing to fob the guards off. I know someone for example who came down from Dublin obviously came to Cork from Dublin and it's not this guy's first time to do it they've done it before it makes me so angry that they think it's okay for them uh, to do it to take care well I would challenge them if somebody's being smart about it say no I came all the way from Dublin and I'd challenge them on it tell them how stupid they are and just tell them that they're not only putting themselves at risk they're putting everyone that they come in contact with at risk uh, as well. But we'll always have stupid people in the world, uh, unfortunately. Hi, uh, Patricia, you're talking about the virus and you said that the country will eventually open up. Well, Patricia, I think the whole world will never get back to normal again. And as for this country, I think this country is banjaxed says this Formoy listener and has been for quite some time. Once again, the government have failed to do what needs to be done to combat the virus where I live. You should see the amount of people going into other people's houses. And yet we're told at the moment there should be no house visits. It's like there's no virus at all. Have the Gardaí any power? So we will never get back to normal, Patricia, not while people act the fool. So says a Fromoy listener and I'll let them act the fool all they like. You just you do your you do what's right. Let the majority of us do what's right. There will never be a vaccine for stupidity and just allow them to be as stupid as they want and let's hope it stays uh, it stays fine for them and that they don't pick up the virus. But leave them, leave, you know, don't worry what the neighbours are doing. You just look after yourself. You abide by the rules and the regulations and the restrictions that are in place, knowing that you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your own uh, loved ones and leave the idiots do what they want to do. Thank you for your text. That's from a Formoy listener. And actually talking about Formoy, there was a text in earlier, if I can find it, from a listener, obviously in the Formoy area, somebody was in Formoy to say, Patricia, I was in Formoy this morning and my heart sank when I was passing by the library and there was a young homeless girl asleep on the steps. It was so sad to see. Goodness, you don't often see it in the county towns. You, I mean, we know that there's a lot of rough sleepers, unfortunately, but they have a tendency to be in the cities. They're in Cork. We know they're in Dublin. Um, you don't often see them in county towns yet. It's a sad, sad thing to, to see indeed. I don't know what the circumstances is and I hope that that uh, young girl is getting support and that there's support available to her. But yeah, absolutely shocking in this day and age, isn't it, uh, to see it for sure. Uh, we were talking about migraines earlier on. A listener says... Um, 
I should actually get migraine or morphine injections. My migraines can get so bad, says Catherine. They are down to stress. They're not too bad now, but when my children were young, they were really, really bad. But if you are still getting migraines, Catherine, and you haven't linked in with your doctor about it, that was the whole point of our interview today, is to let people know, you know, there's new treatments available, there's new medicine available. Uh, They've learned a lot, you know, and they continue to study migraines and come up with new ways of helping people with migraines. So don't suffer in silence if your migraines do come back link in with your GP uh, please and then we were that's the message we were trying to get out to people is to come make contact with your doctor and even though I know people are slow to contact their GP at the moment with everything that's going on with uh, COVID that's prompted somebody to say and we and uh, Dr Bill was saying that they do or Dr Eddie was saying that they do telephone consultations now and indeed they do somebody says when you get a telephone com- consultation from your GP do the GP still charge you the full amount be it 60 euro or 70 euro um, I, now I can't speak for all GP practices. I know in my GP practice, if you go in and visit in person, it's sixty euro, and if it's a telephone consultation, it's half that. It's thirty euro. So I'm assuming whatever you're normally charged is is half that. But as I say, you need to check in with individual doctors' practices because there isn't a set price for all GP practices. But certainly the the practice I'm with, it's half what you would normally pay pay to go in and have a face to face visit. As I say, I, I I'm assuming that that's the same for for the for the majority of gp practices uh, hi patricia i'm just wondering are the esb networks still reading meters in private houses during the pandemic as i haven't seen them in a long time uh, thanking you they are still reading. I certainly had the, the little gentleman who calls to my house. Um, they don't call every two months. Once upon a time, they used to come every two months. I think by law, they have to read the meter for, you should have four visits a year, I think is what it is. But yes, they're still being out and about even during the lockdown. It's I'm assuming it's on the list, list of essential services. So certainly, yes, I've seen the the guy call around to where where I'm uh, living, so I I take it people are other people are having calls as well. Maybe during this particular lockdown, maybe you're just not due uh, a call, but you should have. I know the last time we looked into this, you should have your meter read at least four times in a twelve month period, and you can then for the other four months out of the year then you can get an estimated uh, bill but a lot of the providers will ask you to read your own meter and send it on to them as well to make sure and I know certainly for me I prefer to have the proper bill rather than an estimated one because I know before Christmas I ended up getting an estimated one and when I checked the meter reading it was higher than what it should have been but I paid the extra and said because I knew over Christmas you always use more, elect- more electricity, don't you, over the Christmas period? So I said, sure, I'll just pay it forward instead. Uh, 1850-333-103. And Marie says, Patricia, hope this message finds you well. It does indeed. Could you please give me information regarding the Cork Pen Pals? You had a lady on last week talking about it and I'd love uh, to get involved in the Cork Pen Pal thanking you. It was Tara Thornton was the name of the lady who's come up with the idea of having a Cork-based pen pal service. You can send her an email and it's penpalcork at gmail.com, penpalcork at gmail.com and just send on the information and then she'll hook you up with somebody and tell you, Marie, uh, who you've been, who you can 
start writing to and good luck with the letter writing. The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie uh, A reminder the Mallow Meals on Wheels are still available to people Monday to Friday for deliveries. They are delivering to their regular clients but they also are interested in hearing from new clients. They would especially like to hear from people who are isolating. You can phone Eleanor on 087 289 and by the way if you've got some time in your hands and you'd like to become a volunteer to deliver meals give Eleanor a call 087 289 and Mourne Abbey community will commemorate the centenary of the Mourne Abbey ambush on the weekend of the 13th of February they're asking people to have a lighted candle in the window of every house in the parish a wreath will be laid at the War of Independence monument and the national flag will fly at half mask across that weekend February 13th, 14th and 15th the Heritage Association will publish their book The Story of Mourne Abbey Ambush which will be available from that weekend on Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy the insurance group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie to celebrate our brand new breakfast show we're giving away thousands of euro on c103 whatever it takes this is cork's pure cork quiz your chance on every program to win 103 euro across the day parts you come on air answer three questions in 20 seconds to win 103 euro we had lots of people wanting to get involved this afternoon and who have we selected we have selected Noreen O'Donovan in Balanine good afternoon to you Noreen hi Patricia how are you I'm not too bad how's everybody in Balanine today Oh, good, thanks. The sun is shining. Is it? Yeah, it's it's lovely when the sun comes out. Are you going to get out for a walk or anything? Yeah, I was out already this morning, so I'm started. What a fish person you are. So what are you up to for the rest of the day? Um, just trying to get some laundry done now and a few bits and pieces around the house, you know. Does the laundry include ironing? Oh, no, no. I don't bother with that. <laughs> I'm one of those weird people that I like to iron, which is a kind of a weird, weird thing that I have. But anyway, let's uh, press on. Okay, you, you've obviously heard other people take part in the competition. Yes, I have. How did you do with other people's questions? Uh, there's a few tricky ones, especially the ones, you know, what year did something happen? Yeah. And it can be hard to think on the spot, you know. Yeah, and I'm looking down. Yours are doable today, can I say? They're doable. Oh, okay, I- so... Fingers crossed. I hope so. Okay, are you ready to go? Yes, let's go. Okay, let's get the clock going. Are you ready for it? Three, two, one. The clock's ticking. True, true or false? Cork hurler Patrick Horgan plays for Glen Rovers. True. Cork wa- Cove was the Titanic's last port of call in what year? 1912, 1922. 1912. True or false? Nicky Byrne of Westlife once played for Cove Ramblers. Oh, Nicky Byrne for Cove. Uh, Paul? Ah, oh, you fell oh, at the final hurdle. You fell at the I'm final so hurdle. Serious. You got the Cork hurler right. He does play with Glen Rovers. The Titanic was oh. 1912. And Nicky Byrne does play. He did play for Cove, Cove Ramblers. Serious? Yeah, I can't believe it. Oh. Listen, you can try again. All right, thanks. All right, Bye. thanks a million. Bye-bye. 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 That is... No, I was positive she had it. I was 
convinced was she when she got the first two right and she got the one that she thought she was going to struggle on the date one she got that one right yeah Nikki Byrne of Westlife did once play for Cove uh, Ramblers uh, now we'll do it all over again with Martina this afternoon she will open the text and the WhatsApp service invite you if you would like to take part she'll select one person to join her on air and answer the, t- uh, the three questions and of course before that Nick will also do it so lots of chances for you to win 103 euro on Ken's Pure Cork uh, quiz and it's to celebrate our brand new breakfast show here on C103 1850 uh, get your pet questions in please because uh, Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us if you have a pet question uh, for Jane now is the time I can see some already coming through uh, now is the time to get them in but get those into us uh, please okay let me look at what else we have uh, coming in by uh, text and by cause have I got through all of those I have I want to give a quick mention uh, to the fact when somebody was saying about going shopping and they're worried that some stores are maybe not doing a highest standard of hygiene as they say they, they did at the beginning. I was interested to hear yesterday that there has been four outbreaks of COVID-19 linked to shops. There was also six linked to uh, travel and there is concern now that the rate at which the spread of the virus is falling, that it's not falling fast enough. We're kind of stuck now, we're kind of plateaued. Uh, The five-day moving average is 1,121 and earlier this week Dr Tony Houlihan actually specifically mentioned shops and sort of said to shops, please review your existing protocols and ensure that the staff and the customers are protected as much as possible because there have been reports coming in of some customers saying that they go into certain shops and when they get there go to use the hand sanitizer. we're all very good at using the hand sanitizer, but when they get there the dispenser is uh, empty and then they kind of haven't got any hand sanitizer with them and they just proceed into the shop and kind of forget about it the one thing I always say when, whenever if I ever enter a shop and particularly some of the smaller shops like garages if you point it out to the staff sometimes if the staff are just really busy it's not that they don't want to put the hand sanitizer or they just not that they don't want to have the hand sanitizer there it could be literally that they're just too busy and nobody realized that the hand sanitizer has has emptied so just point it out uh, to people because we're trying to do our best all of us playing a role to stop the spread of this dreadful dreadful virus For workplaces continue to uh, predominantly have outbreaks of the virus. There was 29 outbreaks in workplaces last week. Now that was down seven on the previous week but it's still, Tony Houlihan would say, still is a too many. And then after that was uh, the commercial sector was next and that was followed by uh, food production. We had 94 COVID-related deaths yesterday. That was another very, very dark uh, day. And at the age of the people who, who were reported has passed away yesterday. They were as young as 36 and right up to 100. All of them obviously didn't die in the previous uh, uh, 24, 48 hours. 47 of the deaths have occurred this month and we're only what up to day four. So they, they 47 of the deaths were from this week and the others said there was a lag in, in the reporting of the deaths. They stretched back as far as November, December and uh, January. We had 1,013 newly diagnosed uh, uh, cases. But Tony Houlihan is just worried that we are, we're, sh- we're showing significant improvement, but it's, it's just like it stopped. It's just sort of levelled out. We need those numbers to come down even further. And particularly if we want to see this country open up in any way, 
any get any kind of normality back in our lives. And, you know, he was talking about the reason that he reckons that it's just so hard to get to really get the numbers down low this time is the this the prevalence of the workplace and the retail settings. But it's to do with the fact that it's the UK variant, which we know now is so much more uh, infectious. So he's saying it's important for all of us to take as much preventative measures as we can, and that includes staying at home. Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. There's a birthday request in. I want to give a mention to this. Uh, say happy birthday to our brother. That's Dennis Williamson. Uh, hope you have a great day. Lots of love from your sisters, Catherine, Stacey, Manny, Sophie and your brother Richard, nephew Kevin and your mother Mary and your father Richard and they're all in 15 Parish Field in uh, Clonakilty and this one I wish you a happy birthday. That's Dennis uh, Williamson and I had a lovely thank you card in from the gang in Castle Magna Community Development Association and they wrote to me about the book. I spoke about their book when I was about knee high before Christmas. They brought out this wonderful book where they went around and they spoke to local people and they got them to share stories and it was just one of those really, really delightful books and I know when I mentioned it uh, we got a huge reaction on uh, to the programme about the book where people want to know where they could get it and they thought it was a, a fabulous idea. Anyway, the Development Association have written to me to say that 500 copies uh, they printed and they were all sold out over the holidays which is uh, terrific so they just want to thank everyone who did purchase uh, a copy and they're actually hoping to do a reprint of it in the autumn when they'll have many more copies available and they'll put them into bookshops in time for next Christmas so for the gang thank you to uh, Mary O'Sullivan the treasurer of Castle Magna Community Development for, for sending on that thank you card and if you let us know Mary when the book goes into reprint, reprint we'd be only too delighted to give it another mention for you uh, Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joins me on the programme good afternoon to you Jane 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. And questions uh, coming in, keep your questions coming in for Jane. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now, let me start with Mary, who says, I've got a miniature Pomeranian dog with a lung condition. Now, he is taking medication, so she's obviously been attending the vet and he's on medication, but he snores constantly. Could Jane suggest anything or would that just be part of the condition? Mm. To be honest, without a little bit more information about the lung condition, it's a little bit difficult to say. Now, there are common things that cause dogs to snore. Sometimes it can just be the way they are, their conformation, essentially the way they're put together. Um, And particularly, we see lots of snoring with, let's say, brachycephalic dogs. So these would be the flat-faced dogs. And it's because of the way that their throat is made up, um, which causes them to have a snoring snoring noise. Sometimes if um, our soft palate, which is kind of the roof of our mouth, is a little bit longer, it can kind of flap in the breeze sometimes. And that happens sometimes in small dogs and it can cause a snoring noise. But a sudden onset of snoring can sometimes be either a change in the throat or even weight gain. Sometimes weight gain is kind of like ourselves. If we put on a lot of weight, let's say around our neck, you can imagine the delicate structures inside the throat. If there's a little bit more fat around there or there's a little bit more fatty tissue internally, sometimes it can cause, let's say, a little flaps of tissue to kind of float in the breeze as we breathe in and out and we're relaxed at sleep. So sometimes that can be it. But other causes of of snoring that will be associated with lung disease, if there was any kind of obstruction or blockage, or even, let's say, a problem in the back of the throat that might be related to the lung disease. And as I say, it's it's impossible to know without knowing a, a bit more about what lung disease we've been diagnosed with. That could cause it too. So I would say if you have concerns and you've noted new onset snoring, it will really be best to revisit your vet who's aware of all of the details and aware of the full history of your pet um, just so that they can see if that's something that needs treating or if it's something that we we can live with or whether it, it's, let's say, associated with the lung disease that your little pet has been diagnosed with. So I'd say revisit your vet, just voice your concerns and let them know. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Okay, Luke says by text, my dog is, is it a Malamut? Yeah, Malamut. Malamut. Uh, and absolutely loves his food, says Luke. But he's begun, uh, he's began a very bad habit of eating dog poo when we're out, or cow poo when we're out on walks. I'm wondering, any recommendations on how to stop it? Oh, Not dog poo, really cow one. poo. Cow poo. They're big this cow pats. Really tough one. Probably cow pats, yeah. Uh, Dogs will be dogs. They can get into all kinds of things. And sometimes they'll just get a taste for the weirdest thing and become a little bit obsessed with it. My own tiny terrier, Sally, is a little bit obsessed with rabbit poo. So my heart goes out to you here. I feel your pain. It's a little bit annoying. Um, There is not any easy way to stop this, really. If it was eating another dog's poo or eating their own poo, there are things that we can add to their food to make their own poo taste weird so that it can break the habit. But if they're just going out and about and eating cow pats and all kinds of sorts on walks, there's no real way of breaking that habit. The safest thing, really, if they're getting a taste for weird and wonderful things whilst they're out and about, is to keep them on on a lead. Or if you have very good verbal recall, that's fine too. Just make sure that you have control over what they're consuming because it might be cow pats one day, which might be relatively harmless, but it could be something a little bit more sinister or serious or dangerous the next day. Um, so I would just keep a, keep a close eye. But unfortunately, no obvious tips to break the habit. I think it's just more keep safety in mind and make sure they're not picking up anything else that can cause them further harm. And go for walks where there are not cows around. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just try, that, until, yeah. until you try to break the habit. By the way, yeah. what, what is a Malamut? A Malamut? Alaskan Malamut, they're, all, they're big, very, very hairy dogs. They are beautiful dogs. Are they, they like a husky dog? Lot. 
kind of similar. Yeah, yeah okay. They are. It's yeah, a new, it's a new one on kind me. Of breed. Okay, it was a cold a, weather breed. Oh, okay. All right. Good luck with that, um, Luke. Uh, hi, I have to bring my dog to the vet. My Westie, he's going under anaesthetic to have his glands cleaned. How effective is the procedure, please? Having the glands cleaned is sometimes something that's required. Let's say there's a lingering infection in the anal gland. So every every dog has two little anal glands, which are scent glands, which are positioned kind of at four o'clock and eight o'clock, just on either side of the bottom. They're impossible to really see from the outside, but they are there. It's where that big kind of nasty, fishy smell comes from sometimes. And sometimes they are prone to getting a little bit blocked or infected. And sometimes let's say having a sedation or an anaesthetic to flush the glands, so to clean them out really, really well, um, is is something that's undertaken if an infection is particularly stubborn to clear or if there's any concerns that there might be something else going on in the anal glands and your vet will be the best person to guide you as to exactly why that procedure is being taken. If it is for infection, it really depends on what bacteria are growing in there and also the other things surrounding the infection. So we know that infections are more common in dogs if they have, let's say, slightly softer stool. So we know that adding fibre to their diet can sometimes be helpful in some cases. But as I say, your vet will be the best person who knows your own particular situation to guide you on that. So how effective it is really depends on exactly what the problem is. How, if it is an infection, how sensitive that infection is to, let's say, the flush happening and any other treatments surrounding it, but also lifestyle factors, so whether fibre is a factor in, let's say, preventing further infections. There are also lumps and, lumps and bumps that can grow inside an anal gland, making things a little bit more difficult um, to manage if there is infection, and it's always worth checking out, but it's really good. If your vet is going ahead and flushing those glands, it'll give them a really op- good opportunity to examine them in a, in a stress-free manner for your pet. So Would you thing. always put them, Anise, put them under? She's, she's getting an anaesthetic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would, for yeah. a flush, they would all they would always need to either be sedated or anaesthetized, yeah. depending on the patient and what was happening. Yeah, just for their own comfort more than anything else. Are some dogs more prone to it than others? Yes, they yeah. do tend to be. Some dogs will go their entire life never having an anal gland problem, and the anal glands will just empty themselves normally as the dog poos. Um, but some really, it, it can become very bothersome, and it, it's quite an uncomfortable thing. Sometimes people will say, oh, he's dragging his bottom along the floor or he's very irritated or his tail is tucked under. A lot of the times that is the kind of a sign of anal gland discomfort. So it's worth seeing your best if that's the case. Hi, my Bichon Freeze, 11 years of age. I've noticed he's getting more skin tags all over his body. Now, they're not bothering him or they're not bothering me, but I'm wondering, should I be worried about them? He was at the vets about two weeks ago to have his teeth cleaned and the vet didn't say anything about them. But I'm just wondering, is it something we should be worried about? Skin tags? Potentially, yes. Sometimes as we get older, very much like people, you know, you can get changes in the skin and sometimes there are things that we need to be concerned about and sometimes they're relatively benign. A lot of the time, a lump is a lump unto proven otherwise is what I normally say. Knowing whether a lump or a bump or a skin tag is something that we don't need to worry about or whether it might potentially be something serious or cancerous even usually requires a biopsy so that the lab can assess that tissue and kind of further confirm it. It really depends on where the lumps and bumps are, what size they are, as to what way they will be best sampled and your vet will be the best person to guide you as to whether that's required and how, how that will be best achieved. I think if you're concerned, pop to your vet. If he was in recently at the vet for a teeth cleaning, it, it's it's like our, ourselves, if we went to the doctor, generally we're kind of focused on one problem. So the priority on that day will have been, let's say, the teeth cleaning in this case. 
So it's important for, for you to flag if this is a change. So if these lumps are new or if they're getting bigger, it's just best to bring that up with your vet just so that they're aware of the, the background details. So I'd say I wouldn't hesitate to give, give your vet a call and just let them know and you could take it from there. Hi Jane, my pup has lots of chew toys but loves to chew at the furniture. Is there anything you can get to stop a puppy from doing this? Thanking you. Uh, yes, there is. Okay. To a certain extent, but you need to be a little bit careful using them. Um, so there are kind of, let's say, there are products on the market that you can put on objects to make them taste nasty. Um, but it's really important not to, let's say, do a homemade recipe off the internet or anything like that. It's best to get a safe product. So speak to your vet about what they would recommend and what they would have in stock. The one thing I would say is that these products can be generally quite sticky and smelly. So if it's on prized furniture or, or your best antique, it's probably best to move the furniture um, rather than cover it in the sticky stuff that might not be so easily removed. I think a really good thing is to try and vent that biting energy. A lot of puppies go through a kind of a teething stage where they're trying to learn about the world with their mouths. It's really good to give them lots of toys, but really try and engage with them in play because a lot of the time they don't know exactly how to play. So you can really kind of spice that up for them. And if you're engaging in play with them and venting and burning off a lot of that energy, it's really good and mentally stimulating for them. They won't be bored or frustrated, which are things that might lead them to start chewing at unwanted objects like furniture. So I really think just engage with your pet, take them for their walks, lots of constructive play at home, and you might find that the problem solves itself. Yeah, it's just to try and break the habit, isn't it, more than the, yeah. than, than anything. Uh, hi, yeah. I have a cat who constantly chases his tail. Is this normal? It happens regularly, especially at night time. That's from Pauline. Hmm. If he seems otherwise well in himself and you can't see any discomfort or, let's say, any cuts or bruises or swellings or anything like that around the tail and he's only at it, let's say, one time of the evening when things are a little bit boring in the house and he decides to chase the tail, it may be behavioural, maybe nothing to be worried about. But if it's a new behaviour for him um, and you have any concerns that he might be sore in his, let's say, bottom region or his tail area, I suppose ruling out any physical discomfort is always the challenge with pets because they can't tell us they're sore. So we really have to be detectives in that. So if it's a new behaviour, I'd get him checked over by your vet just to be sure. But my gut feeling is it's probably behavioural. He might just be a little bit bored and doing that. But it's it's just best not to do them the disservice of assuming it's behavioural and just make sure that there's nothing that can be dealt with or any pain that can be resolved for them anyway. Dennis in the city has a 10-year-old uh, mixed dog. It's three-quarter Shih Tzu and a quarter Pom. Uh, just in recent days, uh, noticed this having a problem going to the toilet. He seems to be a bit constipated. Uh, Dennis did give him a homemade remedy of sugar and warm water and it seemed to have worked a bit. But is are there laxatives available for dogs? And somebody else says, Hi Jane, my dog is nine, suffers from constipation. Are there laxatives available for dogs? Yeah, there, there are, there are, but they will be under veterinary prescription. There are things that you can give on an ongoing basis to improve their gut health. So sometimes fibre supplements will help, but it really depends on what might be causing the, the constipation. In some older dogs and cats, it might be because they're a little bit less mobile, so that it might not even be a problem with the gut. It might just be that they might have joint pain and they're less likely to squat to poo, so they kind of hold it in and they become a bit constipated that way. Or it could be dietary. They might not be getting enough fibre or their gut health might just have changed a little bit. There are laxatives and it's really important to make sure that they can go easily for their own comfort. So if you're concerned that they're currently constipated, 
definitely visit your vet and um, speak to them about the concerns and I'm sure that there'll probably be something to, to give them a bit of relief. But it's really important to think about long-term strategies as well, particularly in our older patients, and just to make sure that there's nothing in the background that might be causing them discomfort, pooing um, and perpetuating the problem. Okay, bad breath in a Jack Russell. I had his teeth cleaned last year. What else could be causing it? Ah, if his teeth were cleaned last year and if he hasn't had any, let's say, ongoing dental care at home, whether that be toothbrushing or water additives um, or gels applied to the teeth, it may be tartar again. The one thing that is quite challenging with, let's say, dental health and pets is we can scale and polish away all of that tartar to improve the, the gum health. And that's incredibly important because dental disease is something that's kind of suffered with silently by a huge, a huge amount of our population of pets. But if you don't kind of engage in home care, whether that be toothbrushing or using gels on the teeth recommended by your vet or any modification of their diet, special dental diet, then it's just going to build up again. If we didn't brush our teeth twice a day, we'd get tartar build up. Mm. So it's, it's, I, I think if there's a smell again, visit your vet. It might be that he needs a scale and polish again. But it's really important that you kind of practice home care to maintain that um, because it, it could end up in a cycle of him just needing his teeth cleaned repeatedly at the vet. And we really want to minimise the amount of sedation and anaesthesia they have unnecessarily. OK. All right. Listen, Jane, have a good week and uh, we'll chat again to you next week. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. You too. Uh, bye Thank bye. You. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital, uh, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul. Uh, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for the final one of the week. Another week nearly over. Until tomorrow, 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.